and it scared me to death. I thought, am I going to be paralyzed? And I'm telling you with all my might, the next day, I willed my leg and I thought about it and I said, today it's going to move. And I moved it a couple of inches off of the bed. And that gave me hope. Welcome to the Outperform Podcast. My name is Scott Welly. I'm an author, speaker, and the founder of Outperform the Norm, a global movement that helps people achieve peak performance in their personal and professional lives. I've spent my life working with top performers in business as well as athletics, and each week it's my aim and mission to bring you an inspiring person to share their personal stories and insights or perhaps it'll be a personal message from me but with one very simple goal in mind to help you outperform your time is precious and i want to thank you for spending it with me here today but just one small ask before we get started if you find value from this podcast the greatest way that you could possibly thank me would be to head on over to itunes or whatever your favorite podcast platform happens to be and give it a five-star review also share it with somebody that you know that you would like to help outperform so we can all grow this movement together and strive to make the world a healthier, happier, higher performing place. Once again, thank you for being here. And without further ado, let's get started. Amberly Lago, welcome to the Outperform Podcast. How are you? I'm awesome. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. We are happy to have you here. How do you define outperforming in your life and what does it mean to you to outperform? Oh, I think for me, it is really um, turning tragedy into triumph. It is really doing more than you thought you could do. Or um, for me, it has been, you know, I was told at one point that I would be wheelchair bound for the rest of my life. And for me, that was being able to walk again. Um, I was told I would never run again. And for me, that has been able to being able to chase after my daughter. It's being able to train clients again when I was told, oh, you won't work again. You'll be disabled for the rest of your life. So to me, outperform is doing more than I thought that I could do, doing more than people thought that I could do. And, you know, some people told me that, you know, you won't be able to do this. And so it's being the best version of myself and really striving to do more every day and be a better person than I was yesterday. I love that being the best version of yourself and doing more than you think you can do. And for the people that are listening out there that maybe unaware of your story, will you educate them, tell your story a little bit of what you've been through and what you're referring to? Yeah, well, I was, I've been in the health and wellness industry for 22 years and I started dancing when I was three years old. I was in track and not only loved running, but I set a record um, for the two mile in Texas I was a run leader for Nike. I did fitness videos. I was nationally recognized as a fitness coach. And in a blink of an eye, that all changed when I was hit by an SUV. I was riding my motorcycle home from work and 
in the blink of an eye, just bam, I was hit and rushed to the hospital, put an induced coma, um, fought to save my life. I then woke up from a coma and they said that I had 1% chance of saving my leg from amputation, which really when you wake up and that's the first thing you learn, it's like my whole, my passion was fitness and running. My livelihood was that I supported my family with fitness. And not only that, I really was fitness was my running was my drug of choice. And I was like, Oh, you can't take that away. And so I had 34 surgeries and spent months in the hospital and had, you know, thousands of hours of excruciating physical therapy, along with daily reminders that I would never walk again, but managed to save my leg. And um, I think the real journey began, though, when I saved my leg, but then I thought the worst was over and I was diagnosed with a nerve disease called complex regional pain syndrome. And it's dubbed the suicide disease because it leaves you in constant chronic pain. So I thought, okay, I got through all of this, but now I'm going to live the rest of my life with a disease that's going to be it's ranked highest on the pain scale. That means it's worse than having a baby. It hurts worse than a kidney stone. And it's going to be for the rest of my life. So that really took me down a dark path. And I think we learn the most from our biggest challenges. And I think pain has been my greatest teacher. And there are literally a million questions. I just want to keep you here all day and ask you so many different questions Aww. about this. But... So when something like that happens, how long ago was this when you had the accident? It was actually nine years ago last week. Wow. Nine years ago. And it was, you know, a year ago, it was just a year ago that I had my last surgery. So it was, you know, it had been at first when I was in the hospital, I would have a surgery and then I'd have a day or two recovery and then I'd have a surgery and a day to recover. But then it was the afterwards that, you know, I would recover for six months and have another surgery. And it took two years for me to be completely out of that window of, okay, you're going to save it. You're going to save your leg because there was a non-union um, and it took two years for the bone to grow completely back together and the risk of infection was so high. So I would, ha I would be okay. And then suddenly I would have an infection and be admitted and put in ICU for a severe infection. Mm -hmm. So it's been, it's been a real journey of um, in and out of the hospital. And thank God I've got like such um a loving family and friends and amazing doctors and nurses and a community because I could not do this on my own for sure. No one outperforms alone. I oftentimes say that we only perform outperform by having great people around us. It's the way for sure. Goes. For sure. So in regards to, and I'm always so curious when, when people are going through dark times, tough times where it's really, really hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel you had 34 surgeries. So is this mm -hmm. something that was, I mean, was it at all planned out early on? Like, okay, we're going to have roughly this many surgeries and then we have a chance of saving your leg or was it, 
we're going to have one surgery and oh, well, that didn't really do what we thought. So now we're going to have this next surgery. And how did that process play out? And how did you handle that mentally with all of those surgeries? Well, there's a lot of humor because humor really has saved my relationship going through all this. But I'll have to tell you a funny story. Well, it's funny now that I can look back and laugh at it. So this about a year after my accident and I've been having surgeries and suddenly I'm walking and every step that I take, my leg is bowing, like it's bending in the middle where it shouldn't, where there's no joint, it's bending. And so I go to my doctor, the doctor who saved my leg, um, because he was the only doctor that I could find. We had to Google limb salvage and we found a doctor that was willing to save it. And we got me transferred to Cedars and I went to him and I said, you know, I think there's something seriously wrong. And he goes, what do you mean? And I said, well, watch what I can do. And I took my leg and I bent it and he goes, Oh, that's not good. Let's do an x-ray. He took the x-ray and I had broken the titanium in my leg. Now, titanium is the strongest metal. I don't know how you break it, but I broke it. Leave it to me. I broke it. (laughs) So I'm thinking they're just going to put a cast on it. He said, no, we have to do surgery. Well, we scheduled surgery. It was a 10 hour surgery to go in and take the broken pieces of metal out. And then he another four hour surgery the following like two days later just to close up my leg because they couldn't close it up. And the doctor, there was two doctors, there was a plastic surgeon who had to cut through the muscle flap and skin grafts and then the surgeon who fixed it. And my plastic surgeon, I went in to see him and he said, man, I have never seen Dr. Wiss sweat that much in my life. He was dripping sweat. And I was like, I am so grateful he didn't give up because he tried to put the rod in underneath my kneecap and it wouldn't go. And then he had to go over my knee and put a new rod down my leg. And he could have easily said, well, you know what? This is just too hard. There's too many broken screws. We've got this and that. He didn't give up on me. So we talked about the importance of a community man, he saw how hard I was working to try to get better every day. And thank God I had him who didn't give up on me, you know? And so he saved my leg once again. And they, but then they kept me in the hospital for an extra two weeks because they were, they know the kind of person I am and they were afraid that I was going to get up and try to walk again. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And they were like, no, we need to keep her in the hospital and lock her down in the bed so she does not move. But I took all that broken metal. It was pieces of broken metal and screws. And um, I wanted to make like a bracelet for my both of my daughters or something cool out of the metal. And I took it to a jeweler and he's like, we can't bend titanium. We can't melt this into anything. And so I was like, okay, what can I make? I actually made a wind chime. So it is amazing to see. I took a piece of wood and I have all these broken pieces of metal and the sound that it makes is beautiful. And so every time I hear that, I'm reminded of how far I've come and 
turning tragedy into triumph, you know, because yeah. it's all how we look at it, right? <laughs> yeah, that that is such a cool story. How so? Did was it you being overly ambitious that made the titanium bend or break within your leg, or was it literally just some fluke thing that happened? Well, Dr. Wiss described it as he said, think, because I asked him that question. I was like, how the heck do you break titanium? And he said, think of it like this. He said, the metal is only as good um, as fast as you heal. So my leg, there was still a non-union and the metal was supporting the weight of me walking, doing physical therapy trying to dance a little bit, just doing everything I could. And he said, imagine like a huge limb on an oak tree. And if you just tried to break it in one try, it wouldn't happen. But every day, if you took it and you wiggled it a little bit every day, every day, after a while, it would give and break. And that's what happened to your leg. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And I'm curious also on, I don't know, I guess I look at active versus passive, where with surgery, you know, it's more of a, and I am completely anti-surgery unless you absolutely have to have it. I'm betting that being a health and fitness person, you probably were that way before the accident as well. But when you're having surgery, that's obviously a passive thing where you're just sitting there and you're being operated on and something has to happen versus the active role you can actually play in something like physical therapy and it kind mm-hmm. of challenging yourself to get better. But take me through the evolution of kind of your mindset and how you stayed disciplined to the physical therapy when I'm sure there probably wasn't a lot of hope that maybe you were going to walk again or that, it, that you were even making progress and things that, you know, you used to be able to do before and you couldn't do now. How did you do that? Well, um, you just asking that question really took me back to that time because when I first got out of the hospital, um, we have a two story house and my husband thankfully like set up our living room like a hospital room. So I had a hospital room or a hospital bed in our living room. And I had a physical therapist that came over five days a week. And the first time she came over, she looked at me and her eyes got big and she kind of gasped because I looked so bad. I mean, I went from being this vibrant, healthy person to looking like a Holocaust or, you know, I looked like I had survived something barely. I had lost 20 pounds of muscle. Um, I, my leg was barely held together and with skin grafts from the hip down. And she didn't really know what to look at, do with me when she looked at the x-ray And so she did her best and I worked every day and I would be so exhausted after physical therapy that I would just pass out. But I remember the very first time she came over, she said, okay, raise your leg up off the bed. And I couldn't, there was no, there was a complete disconnect there. I was telling my leg to move and it wouldn't move. And it scared me to death. I thought, am I going to be paralyzed? 
And I'm telling you with all my might, the next day, I willed my leg and I thought about it and I said, today it's going to move. And I moved it like a couple of inches off of the bed. Yeah. And that gave me hope. And so every day I could do just a little bit more. And so what I did was I focused on what I could do that day instead of focusing on all the things that I couldn't do. And then it was just trying to stand up because I couldn't stand up because the pain was so severe, the blood, um, because my femoral artery had been severed and so my leg had been completely crushed when I stood up all the blood would stay at the bottom of my leg and the pain was so severe. And so I would literally stand up and count one, 1,000, two, 1,000 and have to sit down and put my leg and I'd have tears streaming down. And I just would say, okay, tomorrow I'm going to stand up for 10 seconds. And I have people ask me all the time, well, how'd you learn to walk again? And I said, man, it was one day at a time. It was one step at a time. And sometimes it was just being able to stand up for moments at a time. And it was, you know, I grew up, I think being an athlete and a dancer really helped me to suck it up and to cowgirl up. Mm -hmm. But that's what I was doing. And I was trying to push through the pain as much as I could. And that got me so far. But that eventually only got me so far. And then I had to really dig deep and figure out some tools to mentally get through because it, it's been uh, mental, mentally, physically, spiritually, it's been a transformation. I had to really connect with a higher power. I had to circle around to gratitude every day. And um, I've got, I have people to ask me today because look, I'm still, I'm sitting here talking with you and I have my leg propped up on the table because I'm still in pain, but I do the best that I can despite my pain. And what I really um, want to give is that gift of hope that was given to me. Cause I think when we have hope, man, we can do anything if we just have that little glimmer of hope. And so that's what I want to give, no matter what kind of pain, whether it's emotional pain or physical pain, man, we all have pain. We go through stuff and it's like, you don't have to keep sucking it up. You have to really unearth your truth and be gentle with yourself as you let it rise to the surface and have a community of people that you can really share your darkest times with because that's what got me out of my ruts was just having, being able to really except where I was on my journey. Just out of curiosity, from a motivational perspective, when you were doing your physical therapy, did you have some visual and tangible way to chart the progress you were making? Like I, I stood up for two seconds today, and or two seconds yesterday, three seconds today. Today I stood up, or the next day it was five seconds. Did you have something like that that you looked at that you could tangibly and visually see what it was yeah. that you were doing. So it didn't feel like, well, I'm not making any progress here and I'm beating my head against a brick wall. Well, you know what? I actually used some, a couple of times, like I had a doctor when I was being 
dismissed from the hospital or when I was being discharged from the hospital, um, I had one of the doctors that came in. They had it. Like, it was a process to get me released from the hospital. And I begged them every day. Can I go home yet? Can I go home yet? And this one doctor, I said, I'm so excited to get home and I can't wait to start training my clients again and to run again. And he goes, Oh, you'll never run again. You, it may take, I don't know if you'll walk. And if you do, it's going to take two years. And I was devastated. I was heartbroken. And I used that moment in those words to motivate me to prove it to myself that, oh yeah, oh, I will walk again and you just watch me. And it took me four and a half months to walk again, to be able to put weight on my leg, but I started to do it. But every day I journaled and I set a goal for myself every day. And I think that's so important to set up small, tangible goals, not that I'm going to walk again. It was today. I'm going to stand for 10 seconds. Tomorrow, I'm going to stand for 30 seconds. Then I had, um, to, I was learning to walk on my crutches and just to have my leg down for that amount of time. So I had one of my best friends come over to the house and I had the physical therapist. So I had the physical therapist who would go over and push the wheelchair further away from my hospital bed. And I had a friend with a pillow. So I'd walk on my crutches and I'd get to my wheelchair and I'd sit and my friend would sit there with a pillow and I'd put my leg up on the pillow to, to get the blood flow out. Mm -hmm. And my friend was this big muscle head trainer friend of mine from the gym and tough as nails. He's like a champion boxer in Bulgaria. And to see him sweating because he was so afraid that he was going to hurt my leg or maybe my leg would fall off or something. Yeah. But it was like a team effort. And I think that if you set goals, if you've got a group of people that believe in you and believe in your dream and that are there to cheer you on, man, that makes all the difference. And it's really about finding those people. And it takes courage to ask. Cause you know, look, I grew up where it was not okay to show vulnerability. It was not okay to admit that you were hurting. It was all about hiding your crazy. It was hide your crazy and be a lady. And I had to re I had to wrap my mind around the fact that this isn't working for me. I no, I'm hurting and I need to talk about it and tell people about it and I need help. And that is how I built my community and it's not just about asking for help, it's about being of service because that is what really truly helped me when I was stuck in my hospital bed was being of service. And I have people ask me all the time, "Well, how could you be of service when you're stuck in the hospital bed?" And you know what? There's so much you can do. You can, I, I would write to my clients and make sure that they were set up with another trainer. I was writing out exercise plans. I was reaching out to people, clients that were going through hard times. I even had some of the nurses that would talk to me and sit and tell me what was going on in their lives. And I could kind of give them, you know, share my experience and kind of act, my grandmother used to do the same thing. So I kind of feel like I was doing what my grandmother did. And, and I think when you're of service, 
you get out of your self-pity. When you're of service, it fills your heart with gratitude. And so that really was my medicine. And, it, and today, it still is today, is just um, the act of connecting with people is probably one of my favorite things to do. Mm-hmm. So a couple of things I want to make sure that I highlight in what you said. And there's, there's so much. I feel like we're kindred spirits or something because so much of what you're saying is what I say every single day of my life. But you're talking about micro goals and breaking things down to just what you can do each day. I mean, it's, it's no different than back when you were running. If you were, if you're, even if you're just doing, let's say a two mile race, it's eight laps of the track, right? Yeah. And the finish line might seem like it's phenomenally far away and you're never going to get there, but you don't really need to get there. You just need to focus on what you're doing now and just get through this lap. And then once yes. you're through this lap, then it's okay. I'll deal with the next lap and I'll deal with the next lap. And I've done plenty of races, so I try and get people to use kind of that mindset and that psychology as far as just focus on what you're doing now and do it well today. And then if you continue to stack that up, you'll get to whatever your finish line is mm-hmm. eventually. Um, so I just wanted to make sure that I highlighted that. And then I want to come back to what you said before, because I do believe that there are a lot of people in pain. A lot of us are in pain, mental, physical emotional, spiritual, perhaps. God willing, very few of us will ever have to go through what you've gone through. But to be able to take some of the skills and some of the things that you've learned from all of your surgeries and from all of your thousands of hours in physical therapy, where would you start people as far as helping them to get out of whatever quote unquote pain that they may be in right now? Well, um, I have a keyword, like um, a word that I use that is my default. So the moment that I have doubt creep in, the moment I have that negative voice in my head telling me how awful things are, how awful I am, or how ugly I look, you know, how scarred up my leg is, or that I'm not good enough. It usually circles back around to, I'm just not good enough. I'm I'm not, you know, I'm not worthy. And the moment that creeps up, um, I came up with something called PACER, which stands for perspective, acceptance, community, endurance, and rest. And it is a keyword that I use. And it's, it's more than just some words on a paper. Cause I wrote down, you know, my husband had told me to pace myself one night and I was first, I kind of laughed and I'm like, I've got one pace and that's full throttle buddy. And then I thought about it and I thought, you know what? I started writing down on a dinner napkin actually of everything that I did to really tap into my resilience and thrive despite my pain. And those words became more than just words on a paper. They became like my, my way of life. And so um, when I say perspective, it is something that I do every day. I shift my perspective and it is with a simple shift in your perspective, you can shift your mindset and change the way you feel about your situation. I mean, when I wake up in the morning, I hurt really bad still. And, but I think, but you know what? I'm still walking and I'm grateful to walk. 
Mm-hmm. Um, when I drive, sometimes it's hard to drive. So I drive with my right leg up on the dashboard and my left foot. And some people might think, I can't drive. I can't do this. Or this is, and I'm thinking, I can drive. I have freedom because there was a long time when I couldn't do that. So shifting your perspective is thinking about how far you've come, uh, sometimes thinking about how worse it could be, and always, always circling back around to gratitude because I think that we can always find something to be grateful for. And when we're grateful, it is alchemy. It turns what we can't do into what we can do. And it turns what we don't have into what we do have. And um, I'll just tell you really quickly, acceptance was hard for me. And that's the A in Pacer. But if we can just accept what's going on and accept where we are in our journey, we can figure out tools to make it better. We can take action and we can take one step at a time to make it better. When we have community, I think it's powerful. Um, I tried to do it alone and it did not work. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think, um, you know, if I didn't have community and a tribe of people that I could turn to and lean on and they can lean on me, it is what has gotten me through my hardest times. Um, endurance I learned is not, and that's the E of Pacer is not about just enduring pain. It's really about doing your best despite your pain or despite your circumstances. And it's kind of what we talked about, about setting those goals. It's making those goals and having the endurance to get through one, like sometimes it's baby stepping it all the way. And then the hardest thing for me is the last part of Pacer, which is rest. Because, and I almost left it off and just called this whole thing Pace. <laughs> but the universe keeps telling me over and over, I'm learning the lesson of you have to rest. You have to rest. And man, sometimes I have to be knocked over the head to learn a lesson. But And even when I shared this with my husband, we were going over it and I was like, Pacer. Yeah. And I got through everything. He goes, yeah, you do that. You do that. And I got to rest. And he was like, you are so full of crap. You don't rest. And I was like, well, I'm still learning to rest. And it's really about finding creative ways to rest when you have a never ending to do list, when you have a busy schedule, when some, if you're in too much pain to fall asleep, whether that's emotionally you're thinking your mind is like spinning and you just can't stop thinking about something or you're in physical pain and it's really finding tools to to rest it's really if you really want to claim your resilience it's about strategically stopping and really getting the tools to be tough um, and recovering emotionally and physically um, because it's not just physical. It is mind, body, and spirit. So there have been days when I have been so anxious, like when we had the fires out here in in Mm -hmm. LA and I was freaking out and I had a friend, we were about to be evacuated. My best friend's house burned down and I had to fly up North to do, I was given a talk at a doctor's clinic up there and my friend said, well, how are you doing? I said, I'm freaking out. And she texted me one word and she texted me pacer. And I was like, Oh, 
yeah, okay, let me shift my perspective. Let me accept what I can do and know when I need God to come in and help me through this, you know, and I went through every step. And so it really has changed my life. And I'm hoping that just by sharing it, that if there's anyone that is, you know, whether you're feeling heavy hearted or you're going through a rough day or you lost your job or your brother went to jail or whatever it may be that it can shift your perspective and help you take those baby steps one step at a time to get through your hard time. And I think perspective is so key. When you talk about that, I think it was Tony Robbins maybe that I heard say trade expectation for appreciation. And oh, I, I love that. Yeah, and I always try to remind myself of that in just certain ways. We just, like I'm sure you probably did, you just expected that you were going to be able to run for the rest of your life, you know, or you just expect that. I took it for you, granted. I took my health for granted a little bit, really. And let's just call it what it is. We take a lot of things for granted in our lives every single day day, the blessings we have, the things we're able to do that we get to do, not that That we we have to to do. Yeah, that we get to, not that we have to. And some of these simple word shifts and and shifts in perspective, I think it's you you absolutely have to have that. And if you if you don't, um, you know, everything else almost doesn't matter because you have to have that Man, it's a lifesaver for me. And I'm telling you, just by, like you said, by shifting your perspective, by changing a word, like Mm -hmm. I will say, oh my gosh, that is a big mountain I'm about to hike. I have to hike that hill. And I think, no, I get to hike. Mm -hmm. I am out of my wheelchair. I have both of my legs. I am so grateful. And it's those little things in the day where, um, I get to be here with you right now, talking to you and invited to, to share my experience with your audience. I mean, that's a gift and I'm grateful for that. So every day I wake up, I have a morning ritual and I practice gratitude. And every night when I go to bed, um, my daughter and I and my little three pound dog, we have cuddle time. And then three pound dog. Yeah, she's so cute. Oh my gosh, she's adorable. She's a little nugget. And we have cuddle time and then we talk about like what we're grateful for. I'm like, what's the best thing that happened to you today? And a lot of times it's something really silly. Um, but I'm getting her in the practice of just that mind shift of being grateful. And, um, and that's one thing that I really, as a parent instill in my daughter, I'm like, as long as you're grateful, you will, things will come to you in life. As long as you're appreciative, then things will come to you in life. And, um, I really believe that. And, and I try to set an example for my daughters. They're my biggest inspirations and it's what, really pulled me out of my darkness too, because there was a time when I was having thoughts of, you know, my husband deserves better. My kids could find another mom and I just can't do this. Not one more day. I can't live through this pain. And so it's taken a lot of grit and by the grace of God that I am 
here and I'm able to thrive despite my chronic pain and the hardships that I've been through. And so that's why I named my book True Grit and Grace, actually, because it took a lot of grit and the grace of God to get me through. And so, um, like I said, it's just a daily practice every day of being grateful that really, really keeps me going. Mm-hmm. And so we've dealt a lot with the front end of Pacer with the perspective. And I am going to ask just a question that came to mind when you were talking about the R or the difficulty of taking rest. And you're here on the Outperform podcast right now. I'm sure you're not the only overly ambitious type A person out there that's listening to this or watching (laughs) this right now. How do you make yourself feel good or feel okay about strategically taking rest when you know that you need it, maybe physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually? Is there anything specific that you do? You know, it's um, really takes a lot of self-compassion and self-love. And I always think, you know, if my daughters were hurting or they told me they didn't feel good, Would I tell them, well, you better just keep running and run hard and keep going. Just suck it up. And I'm thinking, no, I wouldn't say that. Mm -hmm. So I try to have the self, you know, the same self-compassion for myself. But what I really have to do is I have to give myself permission to say like, and sometimes like when I would just did this conference Um, last weekend and I was speaking for three days straight and had a dress rehearsal. So it was like four days of being on and speaking on different stages and meet and greets and the book signing. And um, my husband came the second day to stay with me in the hotel. And I looked at him and it was 11 o'clock at night. And I said, honey, I'm just going to lay down for a little bit. And he said, Amberly, it's 11 o'clock at night. It's okay. You need to go to bed. And it was like, I was still saying, I'm like, is that okay? I'm just going to rest. And sometimes I think we need that support system to just say, because I know for me, sometimes I need my husband to say, and he says it a lot. I'm really grateful for him, but he'll say, you need to get off your leg. You even went at this conference, he was in the back of the room and it was like my third time speaking that day. And I was on a different stage and he was in the back of the room going like this to me, like, enough, sit down, enough Q&A, you, you need to get off your leg. Um, and so I think that if I can look and go, you know what, if I take a break, I know that I'll be better it, for it. I know that um, sometimes when I'm trying to push really hard at night, when my brain's not completely focused and a little foggy and I'm just tired and I'm trying to get my blog post done or I'm trying to like force, you know, an email that I need to write out. If I just take a break and give myself permission to rest and start again, because we can always start again. We always have tomorrow and I'm usually better for it. And Mm -hmm. so I just give myself permission to do it. And it's been really hard, but um, I've ended up in the hospital several times because I didn't rest. I mean, I'm really stubborn, (laughs) really stubborn. (laughs) And I I, I haven't uh, noticed that at all about (laughs) you. That hasn't come across. (laughs) Yeah, it is. You know what? It's been 
it has helped me through a lot and it has hurt me through a lot. It's like it can take me down. So it has taught me to really listen to my body instead of just sucking it up. I have to really listen to my body. And, and that's been a big lesson for me. Well, I would like to keep you here all day and continue to ask you questions. I love talking to you. I know. I love talking with you. (laughs) If people would like to find out more about you, connect with you, uh, how would you like for them to do that? I know it takes courage. Um, When I was in pain, it was so hard for me to reach out. So anybody who's listening, please reach out to me. Um, I respond to every single email. I respond to every single direct message on Instagram. So you can find me at amberlylago.com, which is A-M-B-E-R-L-Y-L-A-G-O.com. And you can email me. You can find my book there as well. And then I am always up in my stories on Instagram at Amberly Lago Motivation and I post, you know, I just try to keep it real on Instagram and I love engaging with people and I, you know, I feel like it's a tribe and it's a community and we can kind of support. We're stronger together. I mean, we're strong on our own, but I feel like together we're just unstoppable. So I'm grateful for the community there. So please, yeah, reach out to me, email me. Um, if you're on Facebook, I'm on Facebook too. So Twitter, I barely get Twitter. I don't know about you, but I'm so, I struggle with it, but I'm on there too. (laughs) I I don't really tweet either, but (laughs) a a couple of things. So I will put links to all of your profiles, your website in the show notes uh, for this episode. And I will also give you a shout out. We're obviously connected on Instagram, but you are a great follow on Instagram and everything that you put out there is so authentically you and is uplifting and is exactly what you've talked about through this episode. So if you're out there listening and if what you have talked about has, has resonated with the audience, please go follow you, connect with you, reach out to you. Um, it's absolutely fantastic. So thank you for doing that. And no, you're great. Um, and the last question that I'll ask is just, are there any words we we've gone through a lot of different great strategies, uh, that people can soak in. Are there any other words of wisdom, parting shots that you would like to leave with the audience? I just would like to say, you know, no matter what your circumstances are, if your circumstances have been narrowed, you can have, you can still have the life that you have always imagined. And it all starts with belief. And so, you know, really wrap, get in the middle of the herd of a good tribe. Uh, Start reaching out to people. If you want to be inspired, then reach out to and follow inspirational people and motivated people. I think it's so important, but I think with some grit and some grace, you can be resilient. (laughs) I 100% (laughs) agree. Amberly, thank you so much for sharing your story and congrats on the trials and the tribulations and everything you've overcome to getting to this point, but also taking that and really using it to, you mentioned early on, to be of service to others. I think that's why we were all put here on this planet. And I love what you're doing. And just on behalf of everyone listening and watching this, I want to thank you for doing that. 
Oh, thank you. Well, I truly, I've been listening to your podcast and I feel honored to get to share with your audience. So thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. And to you out there, wishing you the best of health, happiness, high performance, and keep outperforming. Have a great day. Hello, outperformers. Three more quick things before we sign off here today. First and foremost, thank you so much for listening to this episode. I understand how many different podcasts are out there, and I do not take a single second of your time for granted because time is truly our most valuable asset. It is our most precious commodity, and I appreciate you taking that time and you spending it with us here today. Second, if you found value in this podcast, maybe you've noticed, but podcasting has gotten quite popular as of late. And if you would like to help support the Outperforming Movement and the Outperform Podcast, one of the best ways that we can get it found is for you to give it a favorable review and rating on whatever your favorite podcasting platform happens to be. So head on over to iTunes, head on over to Google Play, and give it a favorable review. And while you do that, also share it with someone else that you know that is just like you, is driven by growth and wanting to be the best personally and professionally in every single thing that they do. Number three, if you want even more tools and tips and strategies to be able to be your best personally and professionally, head on over to scottwelly.com. That's S-C-O-T-T-W-E-L-L-E. There are loads of different resources for you on everything from goal setting and grit to resiliency and focus to confidence and motivation and routines and habits and everything that you can possibly imagine to help you be your absolute best every single day, personally and professionally. Once again, if you'd like to access those free resources, head on over to scottwelly.com, S-C-O-T-T-W-E-L-L-E. So as I sign off, thank you again for spending your time with me here today. Keep outperforming and as always, wish you the best of health, happiness, and high performance. Have a great day.